friends, what's going on? Man, it is good to be with you today. It's such an honor uh, to be sharing God's word with you today. My name is Jeremy West. I'm the missions pastor and prayer director here at our church at Antioch. And I just wanna say welcome uh, to online church, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, wherever uh, you are at your home or at a friend's house, what, going about your day. We're so glad that you're here. I wanna give a warm welcome to our church family. Man, love you guys. Can't wait to see you. And if you're a guest with us today, man, it is, we're so excited that you're with us today. We hope that you see Jesus, encounter Jesus, and know that God loves you. And today is Father's Day. And so I want to give a big shout out, virtual high five, a virtual chest bump to all of our fathers out there. We love you. And whether you're a father, father-to-be, stepfather, grandfather, uh, mentor, spiritual role model uh, in our church, we love you. And we are so, so thankful for you and the heart of God that you carry for us. And we appreciate you. We want you to know that, that you are honored and you are valued in our church. And we thank you uh, just for showing us the, the Father's heart of God, we love you. You mean so much. Now, in honor of all the dads in the house and in honor of fathers and Father's Day, it is only fitting. It's only fitting that we kick off this message this morning with some good old-fashioned dad jokes. Yeah, you heard me, some good old-fashioned dad jokes. So I want to invite you, if you're a father, you can go ahead and just start typing your favorite dad joke in the chat. I'm going to share a few with you. But first, got to show you this t-shirt that I got recently. I love it. In case you're wondering what a dad joke is, is there you have it a dad joke is when dad plus joke dad joke and that's where the magic happens and so i'm going to share a few with you and again you're encouraged to share your own in the chat so you ready here we go i've got three they're good ones all right on the first day of spring y'all i got so excited i wet my plants <laughs> oh my god Crack myself up. Recently, one of my, well, I got home and I got a haircut and one of my kids said, Dad, did you get a haircut? And I said, no, son, I got them all cut. <laughs> or who is, the short, who is the shortest guy in the Bible? Many people thought it was Zacchaeus, but it's actually Nehemiah. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm dead. I'm done. That's enough. Some of you might have be allergic to dad jokes or something, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is too much. Uh, man, well, whatever. I hope you enjoyed those. I hope you enjoy some of the ones that are being shared in the chat. Happy Father's Day. If you missed the last few weeks, I want you to know we're in the middle of a series on prayer called How to Pray. Uh, and in this series, we're just learning again how to pray. We believe that in this time, in this season, that we just have a, a unique invitation from Jesus to come to him, to learn to pray, that God is wanting to stir up in our church community a more fervent devotion to prayer. In the midst of this time, in the midst of the chaos of our world, God is calling his people to pray. And we see this in the book of Acts. We read that the early church, they were also in a very unique time of history. I mean, there was tension, there was political tension, racial tension, there was challenges that people are facing, economic uncertainty, all the same things that we face today. But before the church was born, we see that the people of God, before it was launched, they were with one accord devoting themselves to prayer. 
devoting themselves to prayer behind the scenes and before the breakthrough, before the church was launched that was gonna change the known world, ordinary people like you, like me, they were praying, they were seeking God fervently, they were together devoted to prayer. And as they cried out to the Lord in worship and prayer, God moved powerfully in them and through them in their day to change the world. You know, as you read the book of Acts, you see people on rooftops praying, you see people in upper rooms praying, you see people praying in their homes, praying in the church, praying in the temple, they are even praying for their persecutors while in prison. Prayer was a priority for the early church. Why? Because they saw it being a priority in the life of Jesus. They truly lived out as a community. What Jesus prophesied would be true about his church and what he commanded to be true about his church, that his house would be called a house of prayer for all the nations. And as a church family, that's exactly who God has called us to be in this hour of history. Men and women of prayer, devoted to prayer. Behind the scenes, before the breakthrough, we're called to be a people of prayer, a house of prayer for all nations. Now, I want to be very clear with this. If we are called to be a house of prayer and we are called to be devoted to prayer, friend, you know what that means? That means you have a part to play in this great story. You have a vital role. You, I'm talking to you, don't look at the other person across the couch. I'm talking to you, have a vital role to play in shaping history through prayer. That you are called as a son and daughter to encounter Jesus in prayer. You get to practice the ways of Jesus in prayer. You have a vital role to play in building God's kingdom in our city, in our nation, in the nations of the earth through prayer. And because you have such a vital, important role in this, I, I wanted, I'm going to spend the next few minutes just giving it my best shot by the grace of God to inspire you, to encourage you, to challenge you in prayer. Now, we've introduced over the last few weeks this acronym, P-R-A-Y, that helps us uh, in our journey of prayer. Now, we didn't make this up. We got it from a guy named Pete Gregg in the UK. And we're actually reading his book and invite you to read his book with us, P-R-A-Y. And it stands for Pause, Rejoice, Ask, and Yield. The past two weeks, we've learned how to pause and how to rejoice. And as we move forward today in learning what it looks like to ask, I just want to remind you and I want to encourage you uh, with this reminder that pausing and rejoicing is so important. It lays such a great foundation for prayer because it roots us in God's presence. At the end of the day, we need to be reminded that prayer is about abiding in Jesus at its core, abiding with Jesus, being with God, learning the things that are on his heart, and then partnering with him and praying and asking him to do the things that we know are on his heart that he desires to do. Now, when it comes to asking God in prayer, I don't know about you, but man, sometimes I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I mean, what do you even ask God? What are you supposed to ask God? Are you supposed to ask certain things of God? I mean, is God really concerned about the small stuff going on with, with little old Jeremy? I mean, I'm, I'm just a little old dude taking up a speck of dirt on a large planet in a large galaxy in a large universe. I mean, surely God is, is cons more concerned and preoccupied with global hunger and governments that are in conflict right now, uh, all the big issues of our day, keeping the galaxies in order and battling the supernatural powers. Uh, 
surely he's, he's got more things going on than, than caring about what little old Jeremy has going on over here, right? I mean, are there certain things that you're supposed to uh, pray about, things you're allowed to ask, and, and other things that are kind of off limits that you're not supposed to, to ask God about? I mean, I'm nervous. I don't want to. I don't want to offend God. I don't want. Is there, you know, is there a certain way you're supposed to ask? I mean, do do I need to know Latin or big words or? I, kind of have some of those things figured out in order to pray and ask God, is there a limit to how much you can ask him? I mean, seriously, I truly don't want to burn God out or pester him or, or I don't want to use up all my requests too quickly. I mean, I definitely, you know, don't, don't want to annoy him or get in the way. Are there certain times that you should pray to God and certain times it's kind of like, hey, don't bother God right now. He's got, you know, other things going on. I mean, I, I've got all sorts of questions and, and even some doubts too. And I'm sure that you do. Maybe you're, a, you're watching today and you're not even a Christian. You're not a follower of Jesus. Wouldn't consider yourself a religious person beyond kind of, you know, prayer for you. It's like, you know, every time Time, once in a while when I have a really, really, really hard day or get in a rough spot, I'm like, you know, to whom it may concern up there, help. You know, we're all over the map in this. But I want you to know, and I've been so stirred as I've been preparing this message for us this week, that one of the things that was so revolutionary about Jesus was his teaching on prayer. It was his teaching on prayer. You have to understand that when Jesus talked about prayer, the super duper religious people, <laughs> they got uncomfortable. They got uncomfortable. They were even offended sometimes. You know, while the ordinary people, the people that have the questions like the ones that I just shared, they actually got filled with hope. They actually were encouraged. They actually, when they felt they didn't measure up, they actually began to feel like, you know what? I think God's paying attention to me. I think God loves me. I think God wants to hear what I have to say. You know, one of those people that was, that was kind of an outsider, a normal dude, probably felt like he didn't measure up at all, was a guy named Matthew. He was a tax collector, a, a sinner. He was a traitor. But one day, up on a mountain in northern Israel, a group of people gathered around Jesus to hear what he had to say. And Jesus began to talk to them about prayer. You better believe it. Matthew was on the front row. He was taking notes. He was soaking it all up with a smile on his face because Jesus was speaking to him and telling him that God was listening to his prayer. And so today we're going to read some of Matthew's notes. How about that? Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 5, picking up in verse 5. And so read along with me. Jesus said, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Uh, what's a hypocrite? A hypocrite was actually an actor. <laughs> it was someone that was role-playing. And in this context, Jesus is saying a hypocrite is someone who's role-playing before God. They're pretending. What they're showing is not what is real. They're trying to appear a certain way. But inside, that's not what's going on. And he, Jesus continues. He said, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues. That's the church building, and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Why is he saying that they sh we shouldn't be like the hypocrites? Well, these people, they just love to be seen by people. They love to appear righteous, and they were using prayer as a way to appear super righteous or super special before God, but it was a total show. It was a total sham. It wasn't real prayer. It was all about being seen. 
about appearing spiritual. Jesus says, truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. <laughs> what? They get rewarded? What? What's the reward? The reward is being seen by others. You spend all this time praying, all this time saying all these things to God, and God's not even listening. You know why? Because you're doing it to be seen by others. And Jesus is saying, don't be like them. That's an empty reward. It's an empty reward for people to think that you're, oh man, you're really spiritual and you know some big words when you pray. That's an empty reward. That's not what it's about. Now, why would Jesus open up his teaching on prayer with talking about the hypocrites? Like, have you ever thought about why would he open up his sermon on prayer with that? Well, you got to understand up to this point, the people that were listening to him, these normal people like Matthew, the tax collector, that were on this hillside listening to Jesus, their only example of prayer was these hypocrites. When they thought of prayer, they thought of, oh, that really spiritual religious guy that knows all big words to say, oh, man, you know. And what they would feel was that they don't measure up. I'm not like him, man. I'm not even educated or I don't know. I haven't been in church that long. And they would feel like they would measure up. And if they didn't measure up, then God probably wasn't interested in hearing from them. And much less, God wasn't going to respond to any sort of question or, or request that they made. But Jesus, what he is saying is just lifting off the burden. I hope you feel it, lifting off the burden of you today. What he's saying is that you don't have to be like that. He calls it out. He lifts off this burden. He says, you don't have to be a super spiritual, eloquent person to talk to God. In fact, the results of your asking of God, do not depend on how eloquent or how polished your prayers are. You know, I learned this lesson in a very humbling way one day. Uh, years ago, I was a college pastor in Abilene, Texas, and we were doing an outreach in the small little town of Anson, Texas, north of Abilene. I mean, real small town. We took about 30 college students up there, and we we're going to share the gospel and just love on people, do a skit, uh, pray for people, and just minister to the community. We go up there, and during the time to, to pray for people in the community, there was a lady uh, that was standing next to me that, that raised her hand for prayer. And so here I am, I'm the college pastor, I'm the one leading this outreach. In fact, we had like a bunch of different outreaches going on all at the same time across different cities. And here I am, you know, the pastor, you know, whatever, that, that's supposed to be like the leader in this deal. So I see her and I'm like, okay, we're gonna pray for this lady and, and whatever she's got going on. So I, so I look around and I see uh, one of our friends, Macy, who was there. And Macy was a freshman. I mean, Macy, my wife and I, we love Macy. I mean, Macy is to us what John the Beloved was to Jesus. I mean, we just love Macy. But Macy could be a toot sometimes. I mean, just as an example, one time she played a prank on her life group leaders. She put blocks of Swiss cheese in their engine of their car, lift up the hood, put blocks of Swiss cheese. And when they turn on the car, the heat melted the cheese and it got all in their, their engine uh, and smelled up the car. I mean, it, she's kind of a, a toot, but, but we love Macy. I saw her over there. I said, hey, Macy, come on over. I want you to pray with me. We're going to pray for this lady. And I'm totally thinking, I'm going to model for Macy, you know, how you pray for someone, you know, uh, pray for healing. And so we asked the lady, what, you know, what's going on? How, how do you need prayer? And she lifts up her hand and her hand was crippled like this. She had arthritis and she had big, big swollen knuckles. All of her knuckles were swollen and she couldn't even open her hand. And she says, you know, pray for my hand. 
And I'm going, oh man, this was, a, <laughs> this was kind of a big one. This is kind of one of those where you're like, we're going to pray and we're going to know that the prayer was answered or is not. You know, so I, I'm going, all right, Macy, you know, we're going to pray. So I'm going to model for her, right, how to pray for healing. I said, oh Lord, Jesus, we thank you. You are Jehovah Rapha, the great physician. You are the mighty God. You are the one with all the power, all authority, El Shaddai. Eloheinu, I'm just calling all the names that I know of God, all the big words. I'm like, Lord, please heal this woman's hand. All right, anything happen? No, nothing. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, we know that there's this one time where Jesus prayed multiple times for this guy to be healed. So, hey, can we pray again? We, you know, we just wanna, we're, we're here for you and we wanna pray again. She says, sure, yeah, I'll pray again. So pray again. Oh, Lord, Jesus, thank you. Lord, we command in the name of Jesus, be healed. You know, I'm, I'm just going for, I'm all these words, all this stuff. Nothing happens. And so we say, hey, you know, one more time, can we pray this time? Macy, uh, why don't you pray? And Macy looks at me with like big wide eyes. Like, what? Like, <laughs> you want me to pray? I was like, yeah, why don't you pray? And she, uh, you know, put her hands on the lady's hand and she says, well, um, uh, uh, God, uh, shall I sit you and heal this lady's hand? Amen. As soon as she said, amen, with my very eyes, is the only time I've ever seen a miracle with my very eyes. This lady's swollen hand, crippled hand, opened up. All of her knuckles that were swollen shrunk down and, and her hand was restored to normal. I'm like, I have never seen anything like this in my life. Macy, she yells, oh crap, oh crap, what's happened? She's freaking out. You know what, in that moment, I was just, I was in awe of God. You know why? Because God doesn't look to big spiritual religious people, but his kids who love him. When we ask and when we pray, he responds. Pastor Mark Driscoll said, said it this way that it's always stuck with me. If you wanna learn how to pray and talk to God, don't look to super religious people. Watch a child interact with their father who adores them. Man, I love that. And that's exactly where Jesus takes us next in this text. Verse six, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Listen to that. Just think about that for a second. Pray to your father who is in secret. Let that sink in. Maybe you've been to church a lot. You've probably read this verse several times, but maybe we're not pause enough to, to think, what does this actually mean? Well, first of all, Jesus throws out a revolutionary statement that God is our father. I mean, that's a blow away right there. Happy Father's Day, God. I mean, God is our father. He's a loving father that adores us. But then second, where is the father? Where does Jesus say the father is? He says that he is in secret. What does him being in secret, what does that say about him? I mean, what is Jesus, what is he getting at here? What, what is he trying to communicate to us? Well, here's the deal. Father God has put himself in secret because he really just loves being with you. I'm gonna say that again. Father God has put himself in secret because he really just loves being with you and with me. It means, listen to this, that you have his undivided attention. You have his undivided attention. See, as a father myself, I mean, imperfect, broken as I may be, one of my favorite things to do is to give my kids one-on-one -on -one time. I love to just spend time with, with, with one of them, one-on-one, -on -one, because it means so much to them and it means so much 
To me, we go on daddy dates. And in the busy, of, the hectic busyness of life, you know, we've got six people in our family. Everyone, you know, wants their time. Um, I try to be intentional. I, I do the best I can to create time and space where I can spend time with them one-on-one, -on -one, where I can give them my undivided attention. Now, it might look like playing catch or jumping on the trampoline or a bike ride or taking one of them out to eat. Brielle, my five-year-old girl, my only girl, man, we have this secret spot that we go to in Garland. It's called Pink Coffee. Pink Coffee. Literally, it's a coffee shop bakery designed for five-year-old little girls. I mean, everything is pink and curly. I would never go there. I would never go there on my own, but it's the perfect place to go to communicate to my five-year-old that daddy loves you. You have my undivided attention. You have your father's undivided attention. And it's pretty obvious that I'm human, I'm limited. I can only do that one person at a time in our family. But God is not limited in the same way. He is able to give each of us his undivided attention all the time. Wow, he's fully attentive and available to you. Let that sink in. There's not a moment, there's not been a moment in your existence where Father God has not been fully attentive and available to you. Let that sink in. You have his undivided attention. And friends, because we have his undivided attention, this is what this means. That you have access to ask anything at any time because he's always attentive and available. You have access to ask anything at any time because he is always attentive and available. We're going to keep reading. It says next that, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So not only is he in secret, giving us his undivided attention available to meet with us, he sees in secret. He sees the things that are secret in your life. And he rewards you personally. You know, the implication here is that we get rewarded Honestly, just for showing up, <laughs> just for showing up in secret, that God sees all of those things in, in secret. That's how good he is. I mean, I haven't even got to my list of requests, my, my the things I want to ask him to do. And he's rewarding me just for being with him and just for showing up because he knows the secret things of my life and he knows me. Every time that I was wronged and I, and I went in secret, and I chose to pray for that person. That chose not to hold an offense, but I chose to just pray and bless someone behind their back in prayer. He sees it. He rewards it. He's generous and he can't hold back. Now, I know that this is challenging. Honestly, it is challenging. It would have been challenging for those people hearing it. The thought of going by yourself into a room, praying, asking of God that you cannot see with your physical eyes. Who's your father? I mean, that, that's challenging. And that's why it requires faith. That's why it requires faith. The writer of Hebrews said it this way. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who would come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And that's what Jesus is getting at here. Friends, you have a father that loves you. He's, he's in secret. He's given you his undivided attention all the time. You have access to ask anything at any time. So with faith, Will you come and will you ask? Will you seek him in faith? Will you pursue him in faith? He wants to reward you. So the question is, okay, so great. That's awesome that God loves me in that way. How do I ask of him? And that's where Jesus 
goes next. Verse 7, he says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. See, the Gentiles, the people that didn't know God, the people that were pagans and, and, and were uh, worshiping God in pa uh, pagan religions around them, they prayed too, you know? But their view of their deities was that their deities, the Roman and the Greek gods, were kind of up in heaven on a celestial couch, you know, eating grapes or getting drunk, just totally checked out and unconcerned with the affairs and the things going on in the lives of men. That was their view. And so how did they pray? That view interpreted how they prayed. They would pray loud and they would, you know, make incantations and they would try to arouse these gods from their slumber and disinterest. I mean, they would scream, they would yell, they would do incantations. They would even cut themselves physically to arouse their gods to listen. They would repeat the words over and over, try to pray loud enough. I mean, you get this picture with the prophets of Baal and Elijah. You know, Elijah just says, God, Thank you that you hear me. Send the fire. Boom, the fire comes. The prophets of Baal, they're praying to their gods. They're cutting themselves. They're screaming. They're yelling. Nothing. And Jesus is saying, don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. How cool is that? Jesus says that our father is not vegged out on some couch, unaware of our lives. We don't have to wake him up. We don't have to yell at him to notice us, to pay attention to us. No, he notices you. He notices you, he sees you, he knows you, he knows your needs. He knows exactly what you need before you even ask. You don't have to be really holy or, or say this loud prayer, big words to get noticed by Father God. No, he knows exactly what you need before you ask. In fact, hear me, it is impossible to annoy God with your asking. He wants you to ask. That is his heart, his compassion, and his demeanor. So let's ask. Now, one of the questions that often arises from this verse is, if God already knows what I need, why do I need to ask him? I mean, what, what's the point? Is, you know, that's a great question. It's worthy of a consideration for a few moments. You know, Pete Gregg uh, talks about this in his book, How to Pray. Uh, in verse, uh, or sorry, in page 82, he says, God asks us to pray for at least three reasons. He asks us to ask for three reasons. Because the act of asking is relational, it's vulnerable, and it's intentional. You know, asking is relational in a way that mere wishing is not. Well, Father God is, is interested in friendship with you, and asking him builds friendship. When we talk with God, it builds friendship in that dialogue. Asking is also vulnerable. It requires you to admit some area of personal need. We have to admit, God, I have a need here. Thus, we're extending trust to the one that we're asking, to God. You know, active, uh, uh, asking activates and shapes a deeper humility in our character. Consider this, the humility of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that he still prayed and asked his Father to meet his needs, to give him direction, to give him wisdom, to, to show him what disciples to call. What a, who to make leaders of the church. He asked his father in heaven. The truth is, is that I think Jesus was actually more aware of his dependence on the father than many of us are. <laughs> For sure, more than I am. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews said about Jesus. Hebrews 5, 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus 
offered up prayers and supplications. That, that simply means asking God for your needs with loud cries and tears. To him who is able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Did you catch that? Jesus asked God for his own resurrection from the dead, and God heard him. And God heard him asking is vulnerable, and God calls us to do it because Jesus did it. Asking is intentional. It involves an activation of our will. God, God comes where he's welcome. That's the truth, and he waits to answer until he's called. This is really cool because God wants to blow your mind. Did you know that? God wants to blow your mind when, you're in, when you are in intentional in asking him specific things. Apostle Paul put it this way, Ephesians 3.20. He, speaking of God, is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. By asking specifically and intentionally, we allow God to blow our minds. We allow God with his goodness to do more than we had even thought possible, more than we even asked or imagined. It's important to ask. You know, scripture is so clear that God sees the desires of, of our heart and that he desires to do things on the earth and in our life, but he won't do it without his sons and daughters asking. We must ask. So how do we ask? How do we ask? It's a, it's a great question, and, that, and that's where Jesus goes next. Let's keep reading. Verse 9, pray then like this. And this statement's important. Pray then like this. Meaning, considering all I've just shared with you about the Father, that you have his undivided attention, that he's a rewarder and he wants to reward you, that he is aware of your needs, that he's compassionate, that he's eager to help. Considering all that, then pray like this. Pray like this. Look. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That, that part right there, that's the P and the R of our PRAY acronym. Pausing to acknowledge his presence, who he is, and remembering who he is and what he's done, and rejoicing and adoring him and giving him thanks and worship. And the next part gets into the asking. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Man, that's it. <laughs> Simple, real, persistent, and profound. Now, let's break it down a little bit because maybe you're thinking, okay, awesome. I I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm uplifted. I don't have to be the super duper religious you know, person that knows all the big words. I'm encouraged that I know I have access to ask God anything at any time because he's always attentive and available. All right. This prayer seems really simple and doable. And honestly, maybe a lot simpler than what I thought Jesus was going to ask me to do. Uh, I definitely know, you know, we all resonate with the need for daily bread, for shelter, for forgiveness, for deliverance from evil. But, but what does this look like? All right, young professional, what does this look like in your life today? You know, mom or dad in the midst of family life and baseball games and ballet or a newlywed couple trying to figure out new, you know, new married life together. Maybe you're brand new to Christianity or you're exploring Christianity. What does this look like exactly? Let's just take a few minutes to, to unpack because when you shut the laptop, turn the TV off and go about your day, I want you to know how to do this and God wants you to know how to do this. So I want to point out that in the simplicity of the Lord's prayer, Jesus gives us both a model and a map, a model and a map for asking the Father in prayer. As a model, the Lord's prayer serves as, as an ultimate prototype. I mean, it's a condensed liturgical poem 
that, that is clearly intended for, for frequent repetition that you can just say. Oh, meaning, what that means is that you can recite the Lord's Prayer verbatim, word for word, with nothing added. And that's profoundly meaningful and significant and spiritual. It counts as prayer just to say it and just to own it in that way. If you're starting in prayer, I encourage you, start by simply just reciting the Lord's Prayer, word for word, multiple times a day. Set an alarm on your phone that will remind you, just says, pray the Lord's Prayer. And just pause and right where you're at, open up your phone, your Bible, whatever, and P-R-A-Y using the Lord's Prayer. My wife and I, we began doing this uh, early on in our marriage as, we, as newlyweds. Um, before we left for work that day, we would just hug each other and we would say the Lord's Prayer together. It was simple, it was real, it was persistent, and it grounded us in relationship with God. It was so simple. Now in a very different season of life with kids, we include our, our children in this practice. And we often say the Lord's Prayer at the dinner table. And I will say that most of our children, they will substitute daily bread for whatever we're eating <laughs> that particular meal. So last night we're praying the Lord's Prayer and everyone says, Lord, give us this day our daily taco salad. All right, everyone kind of chuckles, but we're owning it uh, and we're using the Lord's Prayer as a model and it's radically impacted my life and has taught me and helped me over the years how to pray. But what I want to talk about a little bit more is the Lord's Prayer as a map. You know, the Lord's Prayer guides us as we express the things on our hearts to God. As a map, each line can be applied and it can be expanded in your conversation with the Father. Think of each line as like a header and, and then you fill in the bullet points with your prayer, with your asking with the things that you want to pray. I love this quote from Timothy Jones. He says, to cultivate a deeper prayer life, all you have to do is say the Lord's Prayer, but take an hour to do it. <laughs> you know, when, when asking in prayer, there's two, many, uh, there, there's two primary expressions uh, that we see that we can put into practice. And both are present in the Lord's Prayer. And this, the Lord's Prayer serves as a map to help us walk out these expressions. The first is intercession. And the second is petition. You know, the Lord's Prayer, it can and it should be used as a map for intercession and petition. So what does that mean? How do you actually do it? Well, here's what intercession is. Intercession is asking God for the needs of others. You know, this could be expressed in the simplicity of asking God to work in, in the life of your neighbor or a family member or someone in your life group. Or it could be as big and complex as asking God to move in a nation on the earth or to bring an end to some injustice, to tear down demonic strongholds in our city. The heart of intercession is really summed up in the line of this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Intercession is just saying a loud and resounding amen to the will of God being done on the earth and his kingdom invading every sphere of life. Pete Gregg outlines four, just four simple steps that you can do right now. I encourage you to write these down that you can do to activate intercession in your life. The first is get informed. So get informed about the issue. That can be simply become aware of the need of someone else, maybe someone in your life group or a neighbor or a family member. Become aware of the need. Every need is an opportunity for someone to encounter Jesus. Get informed on the needs of our city or our nation. Now, I had a friend that felt a calling to pray for famous people in our nation. And, and, and she would research uh, things about their life and then pray for them, intercede for them to come to faith in Jesus. Honestly, I thought, it, I thought it was a little weird. 
And then Kanye got saved. And I'm like, oh shoot, <laughs> this, is, this is for real. There's people praying. Wow, so get informed. The second is get inspired. The, the most inspiring thing in prayer is the word of God. Fill your heart with the promises of God. Get filled with God's word, God's heart for the situation. I encourage you right now, in this time where we are, there is chaos in our world. Ask God, Lord, what is your heart? Give me a scripture that communicates your heart for this situation. Put the Facebook away, the social media, all the news, all that stuff, and get God's heart. Get inspired with God's heart. Let your faith be built up with the promises of God. The, the third is get indignant. Get mad, get upset, get stirred up, get fired up. You know, racial injustice is wrong. People being oppressed is wrong. The unborn being slaughtered, it's wrong. You know, a nation not having a witness to the gospel, it's wrong, it's not okay on our watch. Cancer is evil, it's unacceptable. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil with a vengeance, okay? He hates evil and he wants you and I to join him in prayer until every vile thing is gone. We have to get indignant. And the last is get in sync. That means get with other people, others who will contend with you in prayer. I can't underestimate this. You know, get with people that are filled with faith, filled with the fire of God and a resolve to pray until there is a breakthrough. Man, I've found some friends in the last few years uh, like this. They're willing to meet with me every Friday morning from 5.30 to 7 a.m. to intercede for our families, for our neighbors, for our businesses, for church, for our city. We pray for nations. Man, it's been the highlight of my week for the past two years to get in sync with other brothers in Christ, men of God, and pray together. So get informed, get inspired, get indignant, get in sync. God has given us the privilege of shaping history through intercession. So let's go for it. But also there's petition. What is petition? Petition is asking God for your own needs and desires. It's asking him from, for everything from daily bread to a good doctor's report to deliverance from evil. From your children's growth and development in school and their uh, activities to your career goals and desires. God cares about it all. And there's nothing off limits. There's nothing off limits or outside the scope of petition. You know, as I stated earlier, asking, it's important because it's about relationship with God. And it's important for us to articulate our needs and desires in a relational way to God our Father. The heart of petition, it's, it's expressed beautifully in these lines of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, here Jesus is challenging you and I, inviting you and I to ask God boldly for your needs and desires. You know, one of the things that struck me, that struck me as, as I was studying and reading the Lord's Prayer over this last week is how direct it is. How direct it is. See, friends, there's no eggshells in God's family. Notice how the Lord's Prayer is kind of a sort of list of commands to God that Jesus, who is God, has encouraged us to regularly make of God our Father. You know, there's no question marks in the Lord's Prayer. You don't find any beating around the bush, no qualifiers, just bold asking. The kind of asking that, that a child makes of their loving parent. It's like when one of my kids runs in the living room and says, Dad, let's have pizza tonight. 
They're not asking. They're just saying, this is what I want. Let's declare it. I want pizza tonight. Not, hey, uh, Dad, um, well, um, Dad, um, I, know, I know you've had a hard day, and I know you probably don't really want to, and, and, and I know you're not, you're not really thinking about it, but maybe, um, I mean, if you feel like it, maybe um, we could have pizza. I mean, like the kind that you really like, you know, maybe if that's okay. No. This is not how my kids ask because I love them and they know that. They can ask me boldly and they can even say, declaring, Dad, let's have pizza tonight. Jesus invites us to pray in this same way. You know, one of the keys to seeing the breakthrough in our petition is just being aligned with the will of God in our prayers. Now, how do we do that? The most straightforward way is just the promises of God we find in the Bible. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Notice here how being with Jesus and, and allowing his words and promises to fill our hearts renews our minds and shapes our asking. We begin to ask for all the wonderful things God has already said he desires to do in our lives. And we begin to see the breakthroughs. I love praying the prayers and promises found in the scripture. It gives me courage. It gives me boldness. I can boldly pray something that God has said he already wants to do. Now, I actually have a document uh, of many of these prayers. We've shared it in our training school. It lists out many of the prayers that are found in the Bible and the promises of God. We pray them over our family, our church, our city, our nation. And I'm going to model just in our last closing minutes a short example of how you can use scripture as a map in your asking. Since we're already familiar with the Lord's Prayer, we'll use it as, as our map. Um, but you can do this with any scripture. So just hang with me as we pray this together right where you're at, using it as a map. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, you're awesome. Thank you for being my father. Thank you for giving me your undivided attention. Thank you for loving me, God. God, give me, give us today our daily bread. Lord, we look to you for provision. You are my provider. Thank you for my job. Thank you, Lord, for my cars. Thank you for our house, Lord. Thank you for the things you've given us, Lord. We ask that you would provide for us, Lord. We need breakthrough. Lord, we need breakthrough in so many different ways, Lord. I'm hungry, God, for your word. Would you give me today revelation? just daily bread of your word even. Lord, meet my needs physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I pray for my wife, Lord, that you would meet her needs today, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, God. My kids, God, forgive me my debts, Lord. I just confess, Lord, that I'm prideful. I confess that, that I ignore you and that I'm selfish, that there's even times, God, where I've, where I've resisted you and things that you've called me to do. God, forgive me. Today, I thank you that I'm forgiven in the name of Jesus. And I just reaffirm that I choose to forgive everyone in my life. Lord, anyone that's wronged me, any place where I feel like I've gotten something that I don't deserve or that someone has been mean to me or rude to me or has hurt me, God, I forgive them and I bless them now in the name of Jesus. And I ask that you would bless them, God. Lord, lead us not into temptation 
but deliver me from evil, God. Help me to run away from temptation. Lord, protect me, God. Preserve me, Lord. God, I ask just over my eyes, Lord, and my ears and and my heart, Lord, that you would not lead me into temptation, but deliver me, God, from evil. Lord, for the situations that I face where it's tricky, where there's temptation to, 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 to compromise and go into the things of the world. God, would you protect me? God, would you help me? And would you deliver me, God, from the evil one, Lord, set me free, Lord, any area where my heart has been taken captive by the, by the enemy, Lord, or where I'm, I'm imprisoned and I'm held back by the enemy, Lord, set me free. I love you, God, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I hope you're encouraged. Never forget that you have access You have access to ask anything at any time because God is always attentive and available. So what what are you going to do with this invitation from the Father? What would happen if the people of Antioch, Dallas, leaned into this invitation to intercede for others, for our families, for our city? I mean, just dream with me for a moment about the breakthroughs we could see together if we're devoted to prayer asking the Father for his kingdom to come, his will to be done in our lives. I mean, I I believe we could turn a city upside down. Do you think our homes would be filled with a little bit more of heaven? (laughs) Behind the scenes, before the breakthrough, God has called us to pray. Friends, the ball is in our court. Let's be those who shape history through asking God in prayer.